What's good, Richmond? This is Cheats, and we are here with a very special Cheats Movement podcast interview, if you can call it that. Uh, this will be released around Thanksgiving time, so we're in the holiday festive mood. But if anyone's followed uh, what we've been doing for the site uh, leading up into the, the local elections, we've had a series of community roundtables, and then we had a really big one post the election, and I am pleased to have the center and the focus of a lot of those <laughs> podcast roundtables, the new mayor-elect LeVar Stoney. LeVar, how you feeling? I'm well, man. How you been? I'm doing good. I don't know. We were just joking uh, off <laughs> off uh, podcast here. Who sleeps more now between... I've got a two-year-old at home and you, oh, you, you have a new... You didn't look, sleep. And you have a new administration at home. <laughs> that's that's <so>. different. <laughs> how, seriously, in all seriousness, how much sleep are you getting? You know, I got more sleep before I won on Tuesday, November 8th. Than I can't imagine. Because I can't imagine. now I'm always thinking like, ah, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, or we should bring this person in, or I need to have that briefing, or I need to have that meeting. So it's totally different. Um, the adrenaline up to the point to, to Tuesday, and then now it's like a different sort of, so I'm racking my brain about ideas that I may have spoken about that I want to like, you know, uh, implement inside the administration. So it's different. It's different. So now everyone, including yourself, because I did, I think I want to talk, so I talked to you a little bit going into um, going into election night. Everyone on your team has to say, I, I don't know if they have to say, but they said, they, they told the line very well that, hey, look, we're really confident. We believe we're running strong all in over. All districts, yeah. How surprised were you uh, into election night and into the next day that, hey, Mayor Lechtoni on the on election night I, was the winner? So my team, I think they held a little optimism uh i mean that's their job right it's it's great i paid them to prepare to win right and they put me in the position to win on election night however we were going to be satisfied because i knew we were going to win uh a couple of districts Mm -hmm. i thought the third district and the fifth district seemed most likely uh and then the surprises start rolling through. When the second came through, mm. uh, when the the sixth came through, and the seventh came through. When the seventh, you know, was one of the early ones, and we mm. kind of had an early opening lead on the seventh. And I thought, oh, it might be a good night. Mm. And the coalition that we were always trying to build were uh, young millennials and um, the African American community, tying that together. And I think it came it came to play in the third district, the fifth district, the sixth, and the seventh. What surprised you more? Was it more surprising how well you did or how some of your opponents, where you may assume they showed strength, they didn't show strength? Um, you know, I was, I've been knocking on doors since, you know, mm-hmm. April, basically. And along the way, I knew that one of my opponents didn't have the strength that the yard size. You can say Joe. Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's okay. It's it's over now. You're not kicking him when he's down. You can say Joe. It's fine. Joe and I, Joe was, if I'm a first time candidate. Right. First time I ever run for public office. That's right. And so to run against someone like Joe, I mean, he will test your mettle like no other. Yeah. And I am lucky to have that sort of experience my first time out because Joe Morrissey is a um, talented politician. Everybody knows this. Take you in the deep waters. Yeah. In the deep. If you're if you're a boxer, that's those right. are championship rounds. That's right. right. I mean, you are you are fighting at a varsity level. Right. Playing at a varsity level. Right. When you're up against a, a candidate like Joe Morrissey, I knew that going in. I experienced it firsthand. Yeah. So he made me a better candidate. Jack Berry made me a better candidate. 
I thought you, I mean, uh, like you said, I want to move forward past this, but I will say you're right. I think he got tested with the with one of the campaigns, and I think Barry ran uh, as well as the campaigns he could run. That's right. And so, uh, and both talented in their own right. Mm-hmm. And with that said, let's let's transition a little bit because um, literally transition transition exactly <laughs> in your transition office. What are what are now? You talked in the campaign trail about what you were planning on doing, even at starting starting at this period, the transition yeah. period. But now that you're here, what are the goals of the Stony transition? Like moving into an operation day, what have you? What would you hope to get accomplished? Well, when I sat my team down with uh, Tiffany Jana, Bill Lighty, Dad Williamson, mm-hmm. I sat that team down, and you know Hannah Burke, my campaign manager, is involved as well. Lisa Speller Davis. When I sat them down, I said. The goal of this transition period is to lay out a roadmap on how we go about restoring confidence back in the city hall mm-hmm. right away. First hundred days, first year, and the, the four years. That is the single goal of this transition, laying out a roadmap on how we restored uh, confidence in city hall. To me, that begins with uh, putting the policies we talked about uh, um, you know, into, into, you know, into action. Uh, but also finding the people. Mm. All this begins with people. And so uh, my team is putting me in a position to put the right people in front of me that I think I should surround myself with. I want folks who I have a, I mean, this is gonna be, you know, we talked about the energy mm. I bring to, to the office, but I, I'm gonna have an expectation that, you know, you, we're gonna go beyond five o'clock to get the job done. And, you know, I wanna bring a sense of accountability, some real accountability to the office as well. And so I want folks who are want to give it their all, go all out. Uh, it's not about, you know, it's about either you're good or you're bad. Mm-hmm. I want the good surrounded around, around me. And that brings up an interesting point because there are some good people at City Hall mm-hmm. that have worked really hard for a long time. And are we concerned at all, not just, uh, just about the rhetoric of the campaign in general, which was kind of a, it, you know, kind of an improvement on City Hall, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense of uh, a core function and those things. Are, are we concerned about morale at all for the, the people I'm that so are going to be sitting there? really concerned about morale. And you, the last question you asked about goals, and I started talking about these goals in my closing argument about what I want out of City Hall, and it's the goals I walk into City Hall with, and that is, number one, we got to improve morale. I've heard it from public works, public utilities, you know, I've heard it all throughout the City Department. Morale is at one of the lowest We've seen it in a long, long time. And so I'm walking in. I'm walking into City Hall nowadays. I'm on the first floor. You know, people see me. You know, they want to you know take pictures and get selfies. They want access. Uh, they want to be able to reach out and touch their their, their mayor. Number two, we got to work a whole lot better on transparency. I mean, I don't think the people of the city want us hiding the ball. Uh, but that's why you got to embrace uh, technology and encourage a little bit more innovation inside City Hall. Uh, number three, we got to be a whole lot more responsive. Uh, to, to the residents, the you know, customer service stuff. They, when you call City Hall, you should go talk to a human. Yeah. You, know, you have to call back and call back and call back. Well, before we got to do a better job engaging the community. Um, I talked about how I want to be a man that listens to, to the residents, and that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I've already begun that with the thank you tour mm-hmm. I took last week. I'll do another round of thank yous as well. I went and saw Riva, uh, went and saw Michelle in Michelle, Michelle's yeah. district as well. Uh, and lastly, we got to do a better job in execution. Execute. When we said we're going to come uh, fill that pothole, we're going to fix that alley, we're going to be there to do it. 
let's drill on one thing. Uh, two things you said that actually mm -hmm. stood up that uh, that you just you're gonna get asked about a million times, but I, I gotta be I gotta do my part and ask them as well. You hit on transparency. Mm -hmm. How is the Stony administration going to? Uh, be different and improve upon transparency when it comes to communications with the public, school board, and city council. Um, those are just, how do you set the tone going in that this is going to be a different administration? Well, I've already sat down with over half of the city council thus far, mm -hmm. and I got the whole nine scheduled to come uh, after, I'll be finishing the whole nine after uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So I'm going to sit down with every person on the school board as well. This is the sort of setting the tone. This is the sort of mayor I want to be one-on-one. -on -one. You know, when I'm at Stella's with Andres Addison, mm -hmm. people say, well, I haven't seen our mayor sit down with a city councilman right. in, in, a, in a local establishment. I mean, it happens in every other city. There's no reason why it can't happen here in Richmond. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, uh, just what, how I engage the media and the press. Um, I don't need a filter between me. I'm going to hire a communication director or a spokesperson for, uh, for my team, but you're going to see me engage the press personally. Um, I'm one of those folks who believes either you tell your story or you allow the media to tell your story. When you don't provide the information to the press, uh, to the RTD, to or our networks, to people like you, you you would decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You part of the press now. The teen movement is in the mainstream. You you part of the press now. I love it. But love if, you, it. if you don't do that, you fill in the blanks yourself. Like oh, oh I, I fill in blanks. You fill a lot of blanks, right? Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. So I'm gonna tell my own story. I appreciate. No, that's good. Though. That's a good story. And the city story. Let me ask this because you also hit on another thing, and I got a couple questions from some friends. Um, that with any were I was coming to speak to you, and they and then one of the big questions that stood out was, how can regular everyday citizens stay engaged now that the election cycle's over, mm -hmm. right? So you get a bunch of volunteers, and you get a lot of citizen uh, engagement during an election cycle, but now they they seem to drop off or they move to the next next election cycle, and they're not there to support uh, an administration. How can everyday citizens be a part of what? Uh, Lodora Stoney's building as, as Mayor Stoney. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is take those individuals who are on my email list, who signed up to volunteer, uh, the folks I engaged during the campaign at their doors, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to keep on coming back to them because I've been telling folks who said, oh, I backed you during the campaign, you know, I voted for you, whatever. I've asked them, like, I need you to continue to have my back moving forward as well. And so my team will be responsible for engaging them with everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's the responsibility of the administration to engage that's right, those people. That's right. You know, okay. what, I, what I think President Obama did well, mm -hmm. and you know about this because sure. you worked with sure. uh, Senator Kane when he became part of the DNC chair, is using his apparatus to engage the public afterwards to kind of like drive, you know, sure. health care well, yeah, I mean, But he could have done a better job. Bad, yeah. It was a good and bad thing only because they built a separate apparatus. That's like what I think. was Like in the DNC, there was all this... Confusion, that's right. Right? That's right? But if they could have built it all together. That's right. Yeah. As a person who worked at the party yeah, yeah, at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. was starting to get the stiff arm, I was like, sure. oh, this is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I want to do is use the data that I've collected over the last, you know, seven, seven and a half months and engage the public. And here's the thing, it's just not just folks who live in the city. I've gone, I've visited with uh, the leadership in Henrico. I've visited with the leadership in, um, in, in Chesterfield as well. I've gone to them. I mean, then people were like, wow, you're in Chesterfield County? Right. Like, you know, it's not like right. it's a foreign country or whatever. It's 20 minutes away. But folks were like, you know, I can't believe you came down to us. So I was like, well, uh, that's the sort of mayor I want to be. So to me, it's all about this role is, about, is what you, you make of it. And if you can sit back and sit in an office all day 
and sit on your hands yeah. and push paper, or you can actually get out in the community you know, and drive your agenda. All right, so I'm gonna ask you two tough questions, and then we're gonna get into some hip-hop questions really quick. Okay, all right. All right, so here, here's the tough questions that I like to ask. Tough questions. These are the, these the, are the tough the questions. The preface. <laughs> oh, only because uh, when we did our round tables, <clears throat> one of the things that stood out. The was table. Well, the you table. Call it, you, you, you call it round table today. Well, yeah, you know, trying you to. Present I'm, it as I'm also Welcome back to another episode uh, of The Table. I'm also wearing a sports coat today <laughs> and not a back of tent, which is different from my regular life. Um, that said, uh, when we did the table uh, going into this, one of the things that stood out uh, more than anything else is the separation between uh, those that are, are doing well economically and those that are not in Richmond. And that seems to, in a lot of ways, be associated with race. Mm-hmm. Um, and minorities not doing, you know, not minorities living in poverty. You know, that, that some of that is blurred, and some of that's not one hundred percent accurate. But the the question is um, for you: How do you go about bridging some of these gaps, um, not just economically, but some of the racial divisions we're starting to see uh, in Richmond? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at, you know, you did all the districts, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the seventh, it looks extremely different from the first and the second. Mm-hmm. So how? Uh, do you, as the new face of Richmond, a young face, an African-American face, how do you go about trying to make it one Richmond as opposed to a separate Richmond? Well, you hit it on the head right there, and that is, you know, I, I, I do credit uh, Joe Morrissey for driving the, um, uh, driving the agenda on the, 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 the two Richmonds. I've heard two Richmonds, I've heard three Richmonds. Mm-hmm. Last night at my, my victory party, I spoke about one Richmond, and the theme of my administration will be: we're going to get to the down to the business of building one Richmond mm-hmm. and bridging those divides. And I talked about that during the campaign because, you know what? When you live out in the west western part of our city, in the West End, and you you see the the realities of a young lady who's trying to raise three kids in public housing in Gilpin Court, mm-hmm. they're living a different. In a different Richmond, so we can go through and lay out all the accolades we want about us being a top ten list for a lot of things. But there are people in Richmond who have no access mm-hmm. to that, and so my job, when I talk about during the campaign, is to improve the quality of life of that. Whatever we do in Richmond, uh, or we do inside City Hall, there is a reality on the other end, mm-hmm. and that's why you have to improve the programs over there. You have to improve the uh, the, the level of uh, professionalism over there because there are people who are depending upon. City Hall every single day, and there are some folks who said, "I don't want City Hall involved in my life. Just get out the way." Mm-hmm. So you 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 you're walking that tightrope every single day. But everything we do in City Hall moving forward under my administration will be about building one Richmond, mm-hmm. one Richmond that any child, no matter where they live, can get a quality education. Uh, no matter uh, who you are, what what zip code you live in, you can get a good job and live right here in the city limits. But do you have to acknowledge the separation or the division in Richmonds to build one Richmond? Oh, without a doubt. Okay, so it's like, oh, it's easy. It, it's it's a little bit easy for you know well, a, a, a white politician, whether it's John Edwards or Howard yeah. Dean, to say, "Oh, there's two Americas," and then Barack Obama has to go, "No, oh, no, no, there's one oh, America." Without, without a but doubt. But the issue is, um, yeah, how do you acknowledge? those separations and then build them together. I think that's the challenge, right? Well, I think what you've done, Mark, you've gotten people around the table from different walks of life 
to talk about this. Sure. And what we've been unable to do is, there's like a fear in Richmond to even talk about the divisions. I mean, uh, what I want to do at the end of my administration, and people say, well, that's a BHAG, that's a big, hairy, you know, audacious goal, is that I'm tired of Richmond being known as Richmond, Virginia, the former capital confederacy. I want to, you know, we got to get together and talk about those divisions. Mm -hmm. And this should be the, the home for reconciliation, I think, the hub for reconciliation. But it doesn't, we ignore it. You know, I, as, as a person who came here, uh, started coming to Richmond while I was in college, I've experienced uh, racism, prejudice as, as a black man. During the campaign, sure. there were things that were said that were, could be considered a dog whistle. Mm -hmm. for a young black man running for, for, for mayor, uh, mayor of this city. Sure. But nonetheless, the, the people who supported my candidacy, they were African-American, they were white, they were young, they were old. To me, that's where Richmond's going. This was not a, this race, was, this, this election wasn't about race particularly. To me, it was about generation, a generational mm -hmm. shift. Because look at the folks who support you, the folks who support me, we think differently about race. We recognize we have no problem talking about the divisions. I think in the past, generations before us, they'd rather just, you stay over there, I stay over here. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, I want to talk about the issues that divide us and how we can, how they can actually also bring us together. Well, alright, so on this, we gotta wrap this up, but I did say the Cheats Movement has always been and will continue to be a hip-hop culture site. You said that earlier. So we've got to, <laughs> we've got to, uh, we have to ask, you made a little bit of hip-hop history, I don't know if you know this, in regards to the theme song that you used in your mayoral form. Move some people away, they're like, was a, was a, was they were using a Drake. Was some Drake started from the box. Yep. Yeah, I think, yes. There were some people that were surprised that you would listen to, believe it or not, even Drake. They'd be like, my mother listens to Drake. So quickly tell us a little bit about uh, your hip-hop playlist. How do you, you know, how, so you how got, did you get introduced to the culture too? And Because everybody's like, oh, I just work out to hip-hop. No, no, is there, no. Was there an introduction to hip-hop culture and what, what's, what's in the deck? It started back when I was uh, a kid. It was in the 90s. Um, you know, we didn't have, you know, we couldn't afford CD players and all that stuff. So anytime, <laughs> anytime, oh, heard, okay. anytime we heard Biggie or J come on on the radio, we'd be like, yo, 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 grab the tape, right. tape recorder. We would record it. Okay. And you would get the commercial, the guy, you know, the yeah. DJ, and we're like, yo, cut it off right now. And so we would make our playlist that way. Okay. So we would like listen to the radio, bring the recorder out. That's how we got kind of introduced to hip hop. Then we started acquiring CDs and whatnot. Um, well, what's your a, style? Is your are you a East Coast guy, South guy, Death Row, Bad Boy, like West Coast with Snoop and Dre, Bad Boy? What, what's so your my best friend, style? who's a professor in, in Seattle, you know, um, he's gonna hate me for saying this because I'm an East Coast, I'm an East Coast guy. Okay. But I also listen to some 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 of the, some of the Southern stuff as well. Okay. He would probably get on get on get in get on get at me about that, but. Uh, match with you. He knows every forum. We did twenty nine of them. Okay. Every forum. Jeez, twenty nine. Every forum we went into, um, every debate we went into, I would pump the, the hip hop up. Um, Kendrick Lamar. So you Kendrick guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, all right. We're gonna be all right. Okay. And you know, it'd be funny to see my two, you know, white staffers going like, "What is going <laughs> right. on?" But right. towards the end of the campaign, they probably felt they knew the words and everything. Right. Right. Because you gotta get, you know, you gotta yeah, get ready for this. And so, yeah. um, uh, Kendrick Lamar, um, I got some, what else? 
Uh, have, I got some two chains. Have, have you heard the new tribe album? No, I haven't. I've been okay. dying to. I, I was told it's like following me everywhere. You got you got to listen to it. And I, I was listening to it. I was listening to NPR okay. yesterday morning. It was on NPR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now Q-Tip's uh, head of yep. hip hop at the Kinnicks. Yep. I mean, yep. these are this is this is changing times. Yeah. I, <laughs> we had Knife Wonder. Knife Wonder's a, a professor at Duke and A and T. We had him here in Richmond. I was listening to NPR and yeah. I said, Q-Tip was like, Yo, so how did that make you feel? No, I was like, what is going on? It's a different time. It's times. mainstream, right? Well, I, I think that's what's important. And I think um, as we wrap up, um, it's important. I think, I mean, obviously, you and I both know this, but there is no such thing now in this, like, pop culture. That's right. If you look at hip-hop culture and what's, like, the most dominant culture in American society, I was just at Holland Springs High School yesterday doing career day. Um, you know, you ask those kids who's the, big rock, who's the biggest rock star in the world is, they're either going to say a rapper or they can't mm-hmm, tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to tell you someone from the hip-hop elk is, is their biggest entertainers. The things that technology-wise that mm-hmm. um, this generation responds to, whether it's Snapchat or Twitter or you know Facebook in those way, they're all kind of hip-hop-generated things. And I think one of the good things about um, you as an individual is that you, know, you and I don't know a time when it wasn't. That's right. You know, hip hop wasn't a thing. The fact that it, you know, the idea of it going away is never going to, to be a thing. But what is also important, as I, as I really do finish up, I appreciate the time, Mr. Mayor elect, is that what I found and what makes um, uh, the Cheats movement successful in that way is that while hip hop is a background of everything we do, people in the community don't want to just, when you say hip hop culture, they just don't want to talk about music. That's they right. really care about your administration. They care about the elections. Mm-hmm. They care about trying to figure out how to raise that that, that, that group out of poverty. How to mm-hmm. you know? So that's why it <coughs> resonates because we're actually talking intelligently about two people that are hip hop generation. But these are the things that that's they right. want to talk about. That's right. So I wish you the best of luck. We're gonna do many more of these. I had a ton of questions that uh, as we still didn't get all well, of let's, let's let's definitely come back and let's do I mean we'll, thing. we'll figure let's it out let's do something on a quarterly basis or something like that okay? you know that transparency part Matt is like over there throwing the remote control at us <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, no but no, I think seriously. we'll figure out the transparency part of this and, and again like you said as we go into this administration for someone that's known you a long time yeah uh, I'll